All right, welcome back, Pistons fans. We missed y'all. We kind of went on sabbatical for a while, but we back now. Um, just a reminder to follow us on all the socials at the Three Rings Podcast, uh, Twitter, Instagram. Um, we got some stuff we got to talk about. We got the last week of the season coming up. We got some March Madness, obviously. Vinayak, how we doing? We're doing great. We're doing great. The Pistons, you know, they're being competitive, but they're losing. So for all the tanking fans out there, we're we're on par with Orlando and Houston and goddamn OKC always on our tail. But it's been good. Cade's been balling out, almost kind of showing everyone he's giving his last little performance on why he should be rookie of the year. And yeah, honestly, the team's been looking good. They've been they've They've been beaten up. They've been dealing with injuries. They're kind of in the final stage where vets are just being injured, kind of just like, you know, fuck it, right? Like Jeremy Grant, calf strain, who gives it, who cares, you know? But uh, yeah, I'm doing good in final four, Duke UNC. So excited, excited to talk about the Pistons. Yeah, and I mean, the last, uh, you know, two weeks of the season, the Pistons got the Thunder, Pacers, Mavs, Bucks, Sixers. So I mean, it a lot. Those could all be losable games, and obviously we got the Sixers tomorrow again too. So Sixers twice. Um, obviously the Pacers and the Thunder are tanking as well. Um, I don't think the Pacers won't catch us. Hope, knock on wood. Um, but uh, yeah. So we got that so very losable games but they've been good losses obviously we heard Kevin Durant last night compliment them after the game where he's like Detroit's a solid team if you really watch them the past few weeks they've been really good um and really kind of come together at the end you touched on Cade Cade has been good but I kind of want to touch on Killian I think Killian is starting to carve out a role that is like for the foreseeable future where it's not, you know, this big role we thought he was going to have where it's like, he's starting next to Kate as he's coming off the bench. He's giving you good, consistent minutes. He's defensively, you know, he's doing his job and he's doing it well. Offensively, obviously, you know, he had that one step back. That was kind of crazy against Brooklyn, but he's been giving you, you know, 10 points per game which you know a lot of people would ask for if you if you told them that at the beginning of the season but uh who who do you think has really you know come into their own because this team looks like it it's you know two or three players away from you know playoff contention for next season yeah no for sure I think I also kind of want to touch on Killian Hayes I think moving to the bench is probably the best thing that Dwayne Casey could do for his career kind of sucks that we had to do this kind of so late in the season. I wish we'd seen more of bench killing because it was kind of clear that, you know, starting role was going to be tough for him. It was just a tough, it's just tough to adjust from Europe to the NBA. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, in every game, it's always been Killian that kind of gets the Pistons to kind of, I wouldn't say a comeback completely, but he makes the push. He makes the push towards a comeback and it's been doing it through defense. So we've all, we've all known Killian's been a great defender. Um, you know, Killings, you know, he's always a great man-to-man defender, getting steals, getting blocks from time to time, passing the ball, doing that great. But I've been really impressed by, you mentioned the shooting. I've been really impressed too by his ability to get to the basket more. I think, I feel like Killian, like he's now, 
he's still left dominant. He doesn't use his right, although he had a nice uh, right layup against the Nets. There, he had a nice layup there. But I'm noticing he's getting to the paint more. Like he's coming off the corner, off screens, much more aggressively, and he's looking to finish. And it's just great to see him play with confidence. I feel like that's just really been the main thing, you know, that's been kind of holding Killian back. And you know, not every pick has to be a superstar or a star by any means. Sometimes you're just looking for role players, role guys. And if that's going to be Killian's, you know, that's his bread and butter to just be a sixth man or just a, a bench point guard. I mean, so be it. I mean, let him play, let him play his role. And if he can do it well, then I think he's definitely a part of the Pistons plan moving forward. Obviously getting Cade made him a lot more expendable. I was actually thinking about last season, just before this podcast, I was thinking about how Last season, Killian had a game against the Bulls and he had like 27, 21.7 rebounds, eight assists, something like that. And we were, Pistons fans were so happy. We're just so happy to see him do anything. And it's kind of crazy now. Like we now have Cade Cunningham and it's just like Killian is, it just doesn't matter what Killian does. But um, I'm glad to see he's kind of come into his own. And I think out of all the Pistons players, he's been probably one of the most ones that, that has impressed me the most. But, um, Another player that I we can also get into is um, Marvin Bagley. Um, yeah, and we're, 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 let's just get, let's just hop right into it. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, go ahead. I don't see why they don't re-sign him. He looks like a whole different player than he was in Sacramento, and obviously, a lot of Kings fans had concerns about you know his motivation, all that. He looks motivated. He looks like he's excited to be on this team. And it seems like he likes this group. So I think re-signing him would probably be a big priority in free agency if it's the only, you know, guy they sign in free agency. Obviously, they're going to, you know, try to go for a top three pick, top two pick in the draft. So there's that. But, yeah, he looks he looks motivated. Um, I think there's just a lot of guys that are getting experience and playing time. We looked at uh, – Braxton Key's been getting some decent minutes. I mean, obviously, Livers has been, you know, in there. You got Jamarco Pickett coming back up. Um, I think those guys are getting solid minutes that, you know, two, two, three years down the stretch, if we still have, you know, Key or Pickett or, like, Livers in the G League and, you know, let's say Paolo Bancaro gets hurt or – Sadiq Bay gets hurt you know I can trust them to get called up and you know give us good minutes and not you know ruin a 10 point lead for us you know I I think they're kind of building that trust with not only Dwayne Casey um, but also like the players kind of building that chemistry because it has been a revolving uh, door recently so I think that Troy Weaver kind of had that in plan of just building, you know, obviously from the ground up with, you know, Kate and Killian and all that and making all these moves. But I think also building up that G League roster is kind of important that people don't really think about because, you know, two or three guys every season will get their name called to come up to, you know, play on the, the A squad. So I think that that's important that they get those, uh, you know, meaningful minutes at the, the end of the season to prove that, you know, they might get another contract. Yeah. To touch on your like Bagley, to touch on like your just talk about Bagley, I kind of have a, a theory and I kind of want to hear your thoughts on it as well. So 
was listening to another Pistons podcast, the Bunny Cardigan Show, and they they talked about how Dwayne Casey. <laughs> we had to give the shout out. Dwayne Casey is uh is using this Isaiah Stewart Marvin Bagley lineup. You know, with Jeremy Grant out with this calf strain, whether or not that's true, we'll we'll see. But uh, um, they're experimenting with this lineup of Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Stewart at the four and the five, and it looks like something that could be could be a potential like option. Like I feel like the Pistons are pretty comfortable with running the four. I mean, Bagley is great at center and Isaiah Stewart now is hitting threes. Like he was hitting threes against Brooklyn. He did, he did it against New York too. I think there's something there. I have a theory too, that what do you, I don't want to see. So this is basically what I'm getting at. I feel like Isaiah Stewart, a lot of people see him as a bench big and I don't disagree. I think that's definitely fair game, but I also feel like I feel like they're preparing, they're preparing both players. They're, they're preparing both Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Stewart for the possibility of playing with a Chet Holmgren or Jabari Smith or even like a Paolo Bancaro where one of those players, Chet, I know you're not going to play him at the five, but he's going to probably have to be, he's going to be guarding fours and fives at something. Like I know we can get into like the nitty gritty and maybe he's not, maybe he's not, but he's going to be up there with fours and fives. Same with Jabari, right? Jabari is probably like a four. I feel like they're preparing both Bagley and Stewart for the possibility of playing with such a player who can, you know, spread the floor. And I think it's like, it's kind of interesting because if you get Chet, then you may go Stewart at the four, Chet at the five, depending on obviously how he handles, you know, NBA bodies and stuff, you know, depending on that. But if you get a player like Jabari, for example, then you're preparing Bagley to play with, you know, Jabari, Jabari Bet. Jabari at the four, Bagley at the five. I know it's like kind of a weird theory, but what are your thoughts? Do you think it's like a kind of like kind of preparing both players that like, you know, that you could be soon be playing with a a top bit traffic that's likely going to be a big man? Or do you see the Pistons more so a little bit actually wanting to make the Stewart Bagley thing work and maybe potentially look for a guard in the NBA draft or the next upcoming draft? I mean, it totally makes sense to me that, you know, yeah, you put – you played – uh chet you know front court a spot and then you put stewart at the five so i mean they kind of did that um a few games ago like against portland with bagley and stewart they did it um i think it was with atlanta with bagley and stewart kind of you know you had you can you can switch off there and if you got like you're going up against like a, a real like traditional five, like, you know, I don't know, Clint Capella just comes to mind for, for me versus, you know, like a Jokic or kind of like a, a more like stretch five. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I think Bagley, I mean, a lot of people like Bagley in the five role. Mm-hmm. I personally like him more in the four. But uh, but yeah, I think I think that what you're saying makes complete sense that they were they're kind of trying to test the waters for that and uh i think bagley or stewart would totally be okay next year you know coming off the bench obviously if bagley resigns so i think they're getting prepared for that but also i think that that does give a little bit of competition for you know if they do get excuse me a jabari smith or a Chet Holmgren, I'm not really sold that Paulo would mess that up. I think Paulo would probably put – you could honestly try him at the three in that that mm-hmm. situation. Yeah. Or I would I would like him more in uh, 
and honestly I would like him more in like a Bagley Bagley uh spot where yeah I don't I don't really know how well he would pair with Bagley but I think he would be all right with Stewart obviously um you got Mark Williams on Duke who's like a seven foot center Mm -hmm. that's probably gonna be a lottery pick or borderline top 20 so so yeah uh, I think I think that's prepared him a little. And if you watch any of Duke games this year, they they've kind of worked in tandem with that uh, defensively. So yeah, so I think that that also prepares someone like Paulo for for coming to to the Pistons. But yeah, I kind of I kind of believe that they would they would do that, and they're kind of thinking ahead about that. But yeah. Um, moving on though, unless you want to touch anything else about that subject. No, I think, I think we did a good job. I think Bagley, right. I'll just say Bagley's been killing it. He's been awesome to watch. All right. Yeah. And then moving on, um, this segment should only take like 10 seconds, but Kate is definitely the rookie of the year now, right? Yeah. I don't, I know, I know it's like, mm. Like, I mean, yes, but it's just like, I, I know like there's probably going to be people who just believe in Evan Mobley and, you know, it, it's like kind of hard to like convince people. They, I feel like the, it, it feels like he already won the award within the last, like, I know this is supposed to take 10 seconds, but I'm going on. <laughs> no, it's fine. No, but like, it feels like people just made up the mind that he made up their mind that he won the award in like December. It feels like, it feels like ever since like Cade's first month or so, which, I know he got off to a pretty rough start, but it will, but I think we like tend to exaggerate how bad it was. Sure, like efficiency and stuff, but I don't know. I feel like basketball in in general, especially in this case, it's getting kind of ruined by stats and advanced stats. Advanced stats are kind of killing our our you know how we look fun. at yeah the kind of the fun and how we look at players. Like people are like tearing apart Cade's efficiency, but I'm like he's a literally an M he's literally a rookie. Like he's not going to have great, like look at LeBron's numbers, right? LeBron James was shooting like, I think like 48.5% true shooting for like, it was a pretty low number. And it's like, are we going to like say LeBron was is bad? Are we just going to like criticize LeBron for having like this man, Kate is putting up numbers similar to like Luca and LeBron and Trent. It just feels like, I don't know. You can give it to Mobley. You can give it to Scotty Barnes, but deep down, like we all know that if, and I, this is kind of a kind of an unfair argument, but we all know that if you put Mobley on the Pistons, you put Scotty Barnes on the Pistons. Neither neither of those two players are having the impact that Cade is because we talked about this. Cade is the number one guy. He's getting blitzed on everything. He's not he's not like the third or fourth option. He's literally the number one carrying the team. I just feel like, you know, it's like I'm trying to think of a comparison. It's like it's like comparing someone like Damian Lillard to like a clay like to clay thompson i don't know if that makes sense it's like someone who's like the number one damian lillard like the number one option to someone who's like clay thompson who yeah is like the number two number three i mean he's great at what he does clay thompson's a great two three option but there's a difference in the roles right it's not like clay, right. you want clay thompson to lead your lead your squad but i mean after kate's 34 burger his 34 piece in brooklyn i mean hey man like i'm i'm pretty optimistic what are, what are your thoughts on this yeah, I mean, I I don't think all the advanced stat people are going to be the ones voting for this. But I think, obviously, I think if, if you do advanced stats, I'm not sure if Cade would win. 
but if you he might but if you do eye test Cade wins if you just if you just watch him night in night out for the past month there's there's no doubt in my mind that he wins that and you know it, like you were saying kind of people were you know giving it to Mobley already in December and kind of didn't change their mind or think think of Cade because we get the Knicks and the Lakers every week on national TV so we so no one can really see like what Cade is doing um but I mean another guy I just want to touch on this quickly but like we kind of did the same thing about Jalen Green we did it jokingly about writing him off just because he was talking shit but he's picked it up you know Jalen Green has gotten a lot better over the season too and I don't know. He's not. He's not in contention, but he's he's been getting a lot better. If you if you watch the Rockets lately, so um, I mean, yeah, guys get better over the season. He obviously did, but yeah, the eye test has to go to K. Just everything about him. He looks like a. He looks like he's, you know, five years already in. He's like a year out. He looks like he's a year out of his prime or like going about to go into his prime and has been like a three-time all-star already. Like he, he looks that good. And yeah, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do, you know, healthy next season because he's gotten a lot of like nagging injuries and it's like, yeah, it's, it's been kind of rough where like, you know, he comes out for a quarter in a couple of these games. And I think, you give him a full off season to fully recover and he gets rid of all these like small injuries that you know he he misses a half here and like you know a quarter there um and you get to see a full season of him it's going to be really special yeah and I'll say I'll say this just like just to kind of wrap it up or if you have other stuff too um I know like even if K doesn't win it's also worth it to just take a moment and just appreciate like how good this rookie class has been like from top to bottom, like the amount of like solid players that it's going to produce, like, okay, like a Cade Cunningham star, Evan Mobley, probably, no, no, definitely star, Scotty Barnes, star, you know, Josh Giddy, even a player who people, uh, if you watch uh, Hoops Intellect's uh, basketball scouting report, his weaknesses were just basketball, apparently, he even looks, he looks really good. I mean, just from top to bottom, I know I'm like missing more players that I want to who are the Jalen Green? I forgot Jalen Green. I mean, Jalen Green is going to be a star. I mean, it's just Herb Jones. I mean, Chris Duarte, like just so many solid players. Um, Jonathan Kuminga. Jonathan Kuminga has looked good. He's looked really good in the goal and say AO does some like just so many players contributing. And like it's so rare to see a class. It's not, it's, you don't see it often. Like in the 2020 class, like we did see great players like Sadiq, Isaiah, I mean, Tyrese Halliburton, Lamelo. I mean, they're good, but like this 2021 draft class is on another level. And this, we all talk about, you know, Chet and stuff and Jabari and stuff, but like, just be like appreciative. Like this 2021 class was great. And it is also feels, feels damn good that the Pistons got the number one pick in this draft. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like we did kind of know that coming in that the 2021 class was going to be better than the 2020. Um. But I didn't think we knew to the extent of it because we knew before the seat before like the college basketball season even started that Mobley, Jalen Green, and Cade were all gonna be you know in contention for number one picks. 
and not only were those guys the top three picks, but they all were hits. You know, usually one of those guys misses. Um, I mean, I don't want to write off James Wiseman right now, but he's looking like a very hard miss right now just because of injuries and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, yeah, so in that, that respect. And, yeah, there's a lot there's a lot more depth that no one really thought about. I mean, even, even guys like Franz Wagner have been good. Um, I mean, yeah, you're, you've been, you've been missing a couple of guys that, yeah. So I think that is, is something that really separates it. Um, and obviously we might see that again, because obviously, you know, you got Chet Paolo Jabari for this, this draft and people are thinking that, you know, those are the, the three guys um, that are, you know, surefire hits. But then you got, you know, Ben Mathurin, uh, Jaden Ivey. A lot of people are liking Keegan Murray right now. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that that uh, pans out in the next few months. Yeah, no, for sure. Yes, yeah, so we can get into like moving forward, like the NBA draft, the tanking, the tanking seasons going on. The Pistons, they currently are tied, I believe, right? They're tied for the worst odds. Um, right now, they have the number one odds, I think, just because they, they Orlando, and Houston have the same have the same odds. And it's looking like they're – I mean, if everything goes right, they're going to get probably within a two to six pit. Within, I mean, hopefully they get the second worst record. I would I – do, I don't want the third worst. I feel like seven is kind of – you're kind of pushing – you're pushing the limits, but um, – yeah, moving forward now that March Madness is kind of kind of dialed down, have you kind of made up your mind on prospects that you kind of want the Pistons to take a look at or your dream prospect? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if I really have a dream prospect right now because I do think um, I have to I have to watch some more games, but I think Jabari Smith is one and i think paulo has worked his way up to uh, a, a strong case for one but i put him at two right now and i had chet one earlier um in the season and i kind of i cooled on him a little bit but i still think he is an easy top three pick i think he's more um of a guy that you're drafting like you know, you got to find, you got to find a better fit for him. Obviously you're not going to draft for fit in the top five, but I think for him to, you know, flourish and reach his full potential, it's got to be a good fit. Um, I think the Pistons could be a good fit for him, but, you know, obviously you stick him in Orlando. He's not going to be a good fit there. Um, but honestly, just, we got to just play the lottery, the tankathon lottery draft simulator and, <laughs> and pray to God that, you know, it lands on Detroit at one every, every time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think if they get outside that you, the top three, or even if they get to three, you can start looking at, you know, Ben Mathurin. Um, I'm not really sold on Jaden Ivy, um, yeah. but we'll, we'll see. What do, you, what do you think yeah I have so Jaden uh just talk about Jaden Ivy the I know it's like bad to judge it's bad to judge players based off one game but man he really had a really rough game against St. Peter's that was it was tough it was a tough t- 
tough game. And I still think there's a lot to like with Jaden Ivy. But even then, even with looking, even with looking at like the Pistons and stuff, like it makes me wonder if Jaden Ivy, <laughs> it makes me wonder if Jaden Ivy is a player that, you know, the Pistons really need. Like for me, I think Jabari has kind of proven himself to be number one. I also was, I also am kind of with you, Aiden. I thought I was pretty low on Paulo, but now I feel like it's like almost like a Mobley thing where it's just like, I was just told he was bad because of like a lot of X factor. But I mean, like, yes, like the three ball isn't the percentages aren't there, but his shot looks clean. And it's just like, he's a good player. Like I think Paulo Bencaro is a good player and he's getting a lot of hate in this draft class. Obviously there's stuff he needs to work on. He's definitely not comparing him to Mobley at all. That's stupid. He's nowhere near the defender or as like versatile as Mobley is. But I think Paulo is a player that people are overthinking. And I, I honestly kind of like him. I wouldn't be mind. I wouldn't mind the Pistons picked him too. I think Chet is also a good player, but I mean, one thing that has been against Chet is, you know, the competition he's played, you know, he hasn't, he did in his first game, in his first game, he balled out, but I mean, there, there's something to say, like, um, there's something to say that competition is in the, in the W, I don't know what conference, is it the WAC? The WCC, WCC? the West Coast Conference. Yeah, competition uh, is, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was just, I was just about to say, just like, it, it's worth it's worth considering. It's just, it's worth considering that, okay, now he gets here. He, he did look good. He looked good in his first game. He looked great against Jalen Duran, although Duran had his moments against him. He, he looked great, but I mean, I mean, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like though, still, I lean. I don't think the competition is an issue because you've seen guys make that jump. I mean, like Damian Lillard's the first yeah, guy no, that comes no, to sure. mind, but it's like sure. yeah. other guys like Clay Thompson and stuff. But mm-hmm. I think for me, just like when you, you actually like watch the eye test and you you look at what he's done he's gonna be a really good shot blocker in the nba and i can guarantee that pretty much but the thing with him i think that i've cooled on was more of his his three-point shooting because he looks like he looks like a guy that can beat he can really beat you off the dribble Mm -hmm. but i mean he's not you know you look at a guy like walker kessler and they are basically equivalent height. He Kessler is built stronger. He can he looks like he has similar handles, probably not as good, but he can still beat you off the dribble. And I mean, he can play a true five. Is the only is kind of the only difference because no one's really gonna play Chet at, at like a true five to go up against you know. I don't even know. I said Clint Capella earlier. Like he's not gonna go up against him. Clint Capella will baby him, mm-hmm. but he he's a good help defender. He can come he can come off the the side and block shots like that, and that's kind of what he's gonna do. Um, but I think I think the Ivy thing. I know I said don't draft for fit in top. You know, I don't think you should draft for fit in the lottery period. Never. No, it's not. But but at this point, you gotta look at like. Killian and Corey Joseph and Frank Jackson and you gotta look at them and be like those guys aren't terrible like are do we really want to like add another guard into this rotation because it's already like a log jam there at like the two and you know kind of rotating the one so I mean what do you what do you think about like is that kind of your mindset with Jade and Ivy too because yeah if that's the case like you know, maybe you go Ben Mathurin. I also want 
to welcome Neil into the uh <laughs> yes the boy here boys pulled up yes sir hey my bad guys um dude this is crazy it's my first time back in like what a month or something probably longer than that I don't even know but yeah um no I mean this is it's an interesting conversation because you know, we're at the point in the season now where everyone's, at least for, you know, the bottom, like, five teams, all of their fans and their GMs, everyone's just set their sights on draft night already. <clears throat> and, or actually, I should say the lottery first. But, you know, the Pistons are in an interesting situation where, like you guys said, you can draft for fit or you can draft the best player available. And I'm with you guys that you don't draft for fit, especially when you're picking in the top five. You just don't do that. And so, I mean, if there was another Kate Cunningham, this is how I'd put it. If there was another Kate Cunningham in this draft, you take Kate Cunningham. You don't take Jalen Green because he's a better fit. You, you take Kate Cunningham because he's the best player available. <clears throat> and so, yeah, I don't know. I'm, this is an interesting draft class in that. And when I knows this because I used to, you know, talk nonstop about this draft class. I My feelings about them have, like, calmed down a lot from what it was, like, two, three months ago. And maybe that's because I've seen much more of guys like Keegan Murray, much more of Johnny Davis, but I'm not as sold on this class as I was last year. And the thing I'll also say is that I, and I know, cause I said this on the podcast two months ago that I thought Jaden Ivy would be a great fit next to Kay Cunningham. I've completely, I not completely, but I've changed my mind a little bit and that Ivy is not, he, he can't shoot. And that's become much more apparent in the last month of basketball, because when I actually I was broadcasting his game at Purdue in the beginning of February, his three point percentage was literally 42 percent, which was insane. You know, everyone was saying it's not possible to jump from 26 percent to 42 percent one year. Well, maybe they're right, because in one month or a month and a half, his percentage has fallen all the way down to thirty five point eight. That's not good. And then if you watched him in the tournament, I saw every single one of Purdue's games, he shied away from the three. And with Kate Cunningham, I mean, we've been saying nonstop that you need shooters around him. So I'm not sure if the fit's there. Um, I love Jabari, though. Absolutely love Jabari. But again, you know, Pistons are going to need to get lucky in the lottery. So we'll see. Yeah, I I think, like, I know we say draft for draft talent, best player available, but we also, you can consider, too, is just, like, if Cade's your guy, you also need to draft considering Cade in a sense. And just like, that's why Jaden Ivy doesn't really excite me. Shaden Sharp is another name that's been thrown around if he goes. And he's probably, if he does go to draft, he's going to be like a top five guy. But I mean, he doesn't, I mean, sure, he's a great player, but it's just like the fit with Cade is, is just like, I mean, it's kind of met, you know, Jabari Smith is a much better fit. I'd argue Chet. And Paul, just the bigs are just much better fits. And you would argue, you can argue better players too. I think for me, I get a little less excited about the draft. I mean, I'm fine with those three, Jaden and Shaden Sharp, because I feel like there's at least some upside. I get a little less excited, to be honest, when we start getting into like the Keegan Murrays and the Johnny Dave Davises and those types of players. More so, more so just because I just feel like the ceiling is kind of capped. Like at best, Keegan Murray is going to be like a Tobias Harris. And I mean, I know everyone's saying, well, every team would love to have a Tobias Harris. Are you kidding me? A 20-point score? I mean, yes. Like, sure. Like, I cool. Like, I want Tobias. You want Tobias. But, like, 
Dude said, I want Tobias. You want Tobias. We all want Tobias. We all want Tobias, but it's just like, I mean, it's just like if you're in the top five, you might as well take a swing, right? And I think you want, you're going to get, you can't, unfortunately, Detroit isn't that free agency destination. So stars don't like come flocking to Detroit. And the best, the best way to get a star is through the draft. And I feel like those five players at least have some sort of star potential. But that's kind of where I'm at. It's also really dependent on where we're picking. If it's top three, I want a big. But if it's like four or five, then okay, maybe you can get talked into Sharp or Ivy. But yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at as well. Yeah, I mean, I want to I want to touch on like Murray a little bit right now because I think again, it's it's a little hard for him to to like find a position because he's like six eight six nine. He's always played the four or the five, and now you're gonna have to make him you know probably a three or a four. You're gonna make him a small four, or you're gonna make him him like a three that he's never played. Um, so I think that's that's a little tough situation for him right there. People are really high on him, and I can see why because he's a bucket, but he's also 21 years old. And I think that that's another thing that a lot of people take into consideration. The last thing I will say about this draft is obviously we're going to say it one more time. Don't draft for fit in the top five. But I think at this point in time, like you can't really like unless you're like picking like them apart it's really hard to you know see the difference between you know Jabari Chet and Paulo is like because you know last year you know 75 percent of the people said you know Cade was the best player but I think it's very like 30 30 30 percent of saying like you know Chet, Paulo, Jabari, and I think there's some people that you know think that Ivy might be the best player in the draft, and some people that might think you know maybe Shade and Sharp if he leaves, or uh, Ben Mathurin. But yeah, I think I think it's really hard to like tell the tell the difference between the top three than it has been in recent years. But yeah, that's the last thing I'll say about this. Yeah, no, real quick, just before we move on to the next topic, um, I, I'm completely with you on this, Aiden, about Keegan Murray. I mean, you hit every single point that I was going to say, which is that he's 21. He's, he's going to be 22 by the time he plays an NBA game. And also, another un, underlooked thing with him is that he's listed as six foot eight. I'm just saying, from the games I've seen, um, Jaden Ivey looks as tall, if not taller, than Keegan Murray. I don't know if that's me just making things up, but the dude does not look six foot eight at all. And so, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe I'm tripping, who knows, but um, I, I just don't see it with him. I really don't. I think, you know, maybe he turns out to be a good role player, but if I'm picking the top 10, I'm not taking Keegan Murray. I, I'm just not, I think he's a good college player, but I don't think it translates that well to the NBA. I'll also say, relatively the same of Johnny Davis. He's not a good three-point shooter. His mid-range game is solid, but that's not where the NBA is right now. And I know a lot of people would say, well, you know, CP3 makes a living off the mid-range, but CP3 also is a fantastic passer, a great defender, and he's a solid three-point shooter. Um, you can't say the same of Johnny Davis, though he is a, he's a solid defender. But yeah, I just, I don't see with both of those guys. Um, so I, I don't know. Frankly, if I'm picking 
let's say <clears throat> the Pistons trade Jeremy Grant for the Trailblazers or to the Trailblazers. Let's say they get the Pelicans or the Trailblazers pick this year. And I don't know. Let's say it's pick nine. You know who I'm taking? Benedict Mathurin all day. Ben Mathurin. Not get, you think he's going to be available at nine? Oh, prob- maybe not. I don't, I, I'm just saying I've seen some mock drafts where he's falling all the way to 13 now. Really? Yeah, I, haven't che- I haven't checked right lately, but that's that's interesting. No, yeah, he's been he's been falling off a lot, which is really weird. But then he had the tournament, so I guess things probably changed a little bit in the last week. But the dude is a stud. I mean, he's fantastic. Um, oh, I'm he had, on board with that. Yeah, I mean, you've been talking about Matherin, you know, for the longest time. I didn't know about him until you started talking about him, frankly. So I, I'm completely with him. I think he's a great player. Uh, I think he fits so well next to Kate. I think that would be fantastic. So that's a guy, by the way, you know, if the Pistons trade Jeremy Grant and they get a pick in like the 10-ish range, you go for someone like that. I think that would be big time. Um, yeah, I mean, I was going to ask, though, if, if you guys, let's say the Pistons get that pick of 9 or 10, and for the sake of things, let's say Matherin's not available. Who are you taking? So the Pistons are in the nine or ten. Yeah. Would it be okay? First name that came out of my mind was like, like a player like. You put me in a tough pickle here. <laughs> I think a player like Jalen Duran is probably the first one that came to my mind. Um, and you're not gonna get anything special, I don't think, from him. But I think he's a player that the Pistons do need. I feel like. It also helps them figure out their free agency plans. A lot of folks really want DeAndre Ayton or Miles Bridges, Jalen Brown. You know, it kind of fixes that because if they get a center in the draft, they can go for more, you know, wing-oriented players. So I would consider I'd consider Jalen Duran. But I, I personally, I will admit, I have a lot more reading up to do on this uh, draft class before I, before I lock in that pick. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of mock drafts with, you know, crazy things going on where, you know, people are taking like Ochai Abaji in the lottery. And I'm like, really? Because again, like, you know, you're drafting guys who are 21 or 22 and more often than not, it's not, it hasn't really worked out for the, for lottery picks in the past, you know, 10, 20, just 10 years. But I mean, I think someone, we're taking a flyer on would be like like Malachi Branham maybe um I don't even know he's he's been really good he kind of popped up on the scene um so I don't I don't want it to be like a a Jared Culver kind of situation but you know maybe maybe he gives you a boost I kind of like Tari Eason I saw him at the SEC tournament um he he's kind of you know, Keegan Murray-ish, um, but can play more of a three and is also like two years younger or three years younger. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know really about my research on the G League guys yet. Um, I have to look more into that. Or if you just want to go Mark Williams and double down on the that five position, but yeah, Duran too. I don't know if Duran's going to, would be there at nine, but we'll see. Though I just want to add one player getting a lot of steam from the G League is Dyson Daniels. He was uh 
he was in the rising stars game and i know a lot of people just kind of was like who the hell is dyson daniels but you know six six guard he has a really long wingspan and i think that's really attractive to scout so he's a player that i've seen that's been like rising on board so another player to look out um for the pistons as well Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on the Jalen Duran thing. I, I think Duran would be big time. He's another guy, by the way, who's been falling on mock drafts. But then again, he had the solid tournament. I know it was only two games for him. But, yeah, he, he could be climbing too. I Mark Williams, I absolutely love. I've liked him since high school. He almost went to Michigan. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of ways they could go with that pick. And – by the way, I'm looking at mock drafts right now. It looks like people are finally having Mathurin back up again, though even Bleacher Report has him at like eight right now. So we'll see. But all right. So now shifting away from the Pistons and the NBA a little bit, Final Four is coming up, guys. Big, big weekend. Duke and UNC, did you know they've never met each other in the tournament? It's kind of surprising with the amount of success that those two programs have had. So who are you guys picking? Uh, I guess to win both games and then to win it all. I, I can go first. I can go first. I'll say uh, like I want to pick UNC really badly, but I feel like it just be disrespect. I feel like this is like kind of Coach K's, you know, story, fairy tale ending. So give me Duke over uh, UNC and then Kansas Villanova. Also, by the way, this final four is just straight like blue bloods in the college basketball world. So that's cool to see. But um. Kansas Villanova, give me Villanova. I just, I like what Jay Wright's done. He are, he smacked Villanova. No, no, he smacked Kansas in the final four of the year. The Wolverines went down there. Well, the Wolverines played him in the championship. So I have no questions that he'll Hey, why, why are you bringing that up, bro? <laughs> <laughs> giving the folks a little bit of a history, a history lesson. So um, I think, I think history will kind of repeat itself again. I think Villanova goes on there. And then you got Villanova and Duke and... Ah, oh, that is a very tough one, but I think uh, Villanova, though they'll beat Kansas, they're not a really good team. Give me Duke. I think Coach K gets his uh, ring, and then that's how he heads out in a Cinderella-type story. Yeah, I I mean, I'm going to be rooting for UNC. Oh, yeah, I will too. Don't worry. I've, I've always kind of liked UNC anyways, um, but I think, yeah, it's going to be um, – yeah, it's going to be Duke over. I think Kansas. Villanova has a lot of dudes that got hurt. So I think I think Kansas is going to win that one. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be Duke. And I think the referees are going to be terrible. And they're going to give Duke every call just because it's Coach K's last last uh, run. So, But we'll see. I'll be cheering for the heels, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm out of the same picks as Aiden. I think Duke is beating UNC. Uh, you know, give Hubert Davis, by the way, a ton of credit. Yeah. In his first year, 100%. yeah, taking UNC all the way to the final four. I mean, that's insane. Like, he, he's taken what Roy Williams had and he's run with it. And I know it's only been one year, but still, that's that's insane. And then I think the Justin Moore injury for uh, for Villanova is really tough. I mean, that's a guy who averages 15 points a game for them. So, you know, that that's a tough one. He also guards every other team's best player pretty much every time, um, as Colin Gillespie said. So that's a tough loss. I got Kansas winning that. And then 
I have Duke winning it all. Uh, looking back on it, I don't know why I didn't have Duke winning it all. You know, in Coach K's last year, it's just it's Hollywood, you know. But of course, I I picked a team that's already out. So yeah, yeah, it'll be. I, it'll I, be I, I do want to I do want to shout you out, Neil, for for the St. Peter's the St. Peter's <laughs> uh, pick though. Yes, sir. They, they went for they went far, probably further than you thought too. Oh, they yeah. I mean, I thought I definitely thought that they could beat Kentucky. Uh, I'm proud to say that. That isn't just something that I say that that was actually caught on a broadcast before uh, just because they, man, they defend. And like, if anyone's as big into advanced metrics as I am, um, St. Peter's and every advanced metric you looked at were big time. And for a 15 seed, we're insane. And also Kentucky was trending the wrong direction, but Hey, what, a, what an insane run. And then Shaheen Holloway today, by the way, getting hired by Seton Hall, that's, that's big time for them. I will say uh, about that, I feel like after the first half, he probably looked at Seen Hall and was like, where do I sign them papers? After the first half of that Elite Eight game, they were down by like 30 points. He was just like, all right, let me sign the papers. I think he announced like an hour or two after the game. Yeah. No, but good for him, though. I'm glad glad to see it. I, I do think that's funny, Neil, about that because we were just bashing advanced metrics for as why Cade should win Rookie of the Year and that advanced metrics people win you know, unanimously pick him. <laughs> Dang, I, obviously I wasn't here, so I didn't, I didn't hear that. But <laughs> yeah. say there, There's nuance. There's nuance. To <laughs> it's a nuanced yeah. conversation. Nuanced conversation, yes. Yeah, we ready to wrap this up? We ready to do it? Yep. All right. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Um, if you made it to the end of this podcast, really thank you. We appreciate it. Um, be sure to follow us on all of our socials, like we mentioned in the beginning. And yeah, we we we're sorry for the layoff. I'm not sure why it really happened, but you know, we promised that we'll be more consistent. Got a lot of new ideas coming out. Um, we want to do an NBA playoffs preview at some point, maybe recapping the Pistons season, maybe us Pistons season grades. We got a lot of ideas, lots of things coming. So be sure to follow us. And yeah, we'll see y'all on the next episode. Peace.